Good morning. Welcome to Southridge. We're glad that you are here. We are wrapping up a series today entitled BHAP. And if this is your first time in our four-part series, you're thinking, what in the world is BHAP? It stands for a big, hairy, audacious. Can anybody help me out? What's the last one? Prayer. That's right. Because there is something that I have a desire is that for our church, prayer wouldn't just be something that happens. Not just something that happens, but that it become a habit. And that's what we want for a child of God. That prayer in our life is so real that it's not just something that, uh, if it happens, great. If not, no biggie. But it's something where it's just a habit. You just have to. You just have to. For some of you, the habit is to glance at your phone every time you have a free minute. For some of you, the habit is to bite your nails. For some of you, the habit is to, as you're at a stoplight, pick your nose. I don't know why. It's gross. Stop doing it. But there's just that habit. You're at the stoplight. It's just, you just do it. Or we have these weird habits where everybody's just kind of, some of you are really grossed out right now. You're like, I was having a good Sunday morning until you just brought up that. Have you noticed, though, just at the next stoplight, just stop, look left, look right. I bet you. There's something's going to happen, all right? I just guarantee it, okay? Some of you are like, what are you talking about? I have, what, what do you mean? I don't know what you're... Yeah, never mind. You're, you're going to wake up. It's all right. It's, I know it's early, and you're in a theater, and it's a comfortable seat, but I've got to do whatever I can to get you woken up. We were talking about prayer, and I was having a hard time thinking, how do we wrap up a series about prayer? Like, there's so many great passages on prayer which one and i told my wife i said i've got like three or four outlines here i've got three or four things i want to almost keep the series going but we kind of got to cut it off right here and so i was struggling with this and so i believe i found a passage of scripture that i hope will be a help and a blessing to us this morning i believe god's going to speak to us out of it and it has to do with a connection you see i believe that oftentimes you and i we have a connection problem there is definitely a connection between our prayer life and our spiritual life. There is a definite connection there. Sometimes people will tell me, I'm going through a dry season, and I'll say, hey, how is the prayer life in connection with your spiritual life? Because there is a big connection in that communion with God. And so connection is a big thing. And some of us, we understand connection. Uh, it doesn't happen so much now, but back in the day, and when I mean back in the day, we're talking early 2000s, where you would make a cell phone call, and it'd be really garbled, and you would say, mm, I have a bad connection. Let me call you right back. And uh, some of you, you say, I travel a lot, and you've traveled through Atlanta, or you've traveled through Chicago O'Hare, and you missed your connection flight, your connecting flight. And it just throws everything off. So we understand connection. Uh, some of you, your best friend, you, the reason that you're your best friend is because you guys connect. There's a connection. I'm going to throw a little plug in for our small groups ministry. For some of you, if you're not involved in a small group, the biggest reason is because of connection. I believe that when you're in a small group, there is a connection that happens that helps you. We are creatures of connection. We crave connection. We need connection. Some of you are like, no, I'm introverted. Yeah, then you're going to connect probably with other introverts, and you may do it online, but you're still connecting with people. We just have this need and desire to connect. So we understand the profound reality that connection is everywhere, and we need connection, and connection is powerful. And for some of you, you've got a very strong connection with that person next 
next to you, whether they're a friend, whether they're a parent, whether they're a spouse, you've got that strong connection. So you understand the power of connection and you understand what it means when you need connection. Um, This keyboard does not work without a connection from the power source. It doesn't work. This microphone needs a radio frequency connection. It has to have a connection. You and I have to have a connection with God. You say, well, God's inside of me. But prayer is that main channel where we have that connection. And for some of us, you're saying, what's the matter? And there's the connection problem between our prayer life. And so we're going to deal with that this morning on how do we have the right connection. And if you have your Bibles, we're going to go to Daniel chapter number six. And if you don't, it'll be up on the screen. Or if you've got a worship guide, it'll be in your worship guide. Or if you have a smartphone, tablet, we're going to look at this scripture. And what I like to do, and this may be seem weird, but I like to have a stand. And um, I like to, um, just stop dropping out of my Bible here. And I like to have a stand as we read from the scriptures this morning. It's something that we do in honor to God's word. I know it may seem kind of odd to do it, but we just like to around here, just kind of something different. Maybe we're a little bit old school in a new school setting, all right? We're going to read just 10 verses. I won't have you standing long, all right? But we're going to go in verse number one, and we're going to read down through verse number 10, and we're going to pick it up kind of the, the tail end of a great character's life. Here's what the Bible says. It says, it pleased Darius to set over the kingdom and 120 princes, which should be over the whole kingdom. And over these three presidents, of whom Daniel was first, that the princes might give accounts unto them, and the king should have no damage. Then this Daniel was preferred above the presidents and princes, because an excellent spirit was in him. And the king thought to set him over the whole realm. Then the presidents and princes sought to find occasion against Daniel concerning the kingdom, but they could not find any occasion nor fault for as much as he was faithful. Isn't that amazing? Don't you wish you could just meet somebody like that where there's just, you can't find anything wrong with this person. I mean, this person just has integrity. They have character and you, you can see them in any situation and you're like, wow, you could put this person in a, uh, a potentially bad situation and they still shine. It said, we're coming up on the political spectrum and it's like, you know, you find a good candidate and you're kind of in the back of your mind, you're skeptical because you're like, something's going to come out. Something about this person is going to come out and it's just going to blow him out of the water. And I'm just kind of waiting for it. And you're discouraged by it. But here, Daniel, they said, we can't find anything wrong with this guy. And they're going to have to actually take something good and turn it into a bad thing. Notice what the Bible says in verse number four. I'm sorry, let's pick it up in verse number four and four again. Then the presence of the princes sought to find occasion. So looking for something, verse number five. Then these men said, we shall not find any occasion against this Daniel, except we find it against him concerning the law of his God. They said, the only thing we're going to be able to find fault is, is that this guy loves God. So we're going to have to turn that into the thing we catch him, that we get him. And so notice verse number six. Then these presidents and princes assembled together to the king and said, thus saith, then thus said unto him, King Darius live forever and the presence of the kingdom, the governors and the princes, the counselors and the uh, captains have consulted together to establish a royal statute and to make a firm decree that whosoever shall ask a petition of any God or man for 30 days, save of thee, O king, he shall be cast into the den of lions. Now, O king, establish a decree and sign the writing that it be not changed according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which altereth not. Now, you need to understand for a second, here's what's happening. They said, hey, Daniel, he, we got to get rid of him. We're jealous of his position, so we're going to get rid of him. So here's how we're going to do it. We can't find any fault against him, so we're going to make prayer 
illegal. We're going to outlaw it. Sounds kind of familiar. There's no more prayer allowed in schools or whatnot. And so here they said, hey, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna turn that into a thing where we know Daniel will break that law. Darius goes along with it because he's the new king trying to promote unity. And so he's thinking, hey, this will promote unity. We've got this new law. So he goes along with it. Verse number nine, wherefore King Darius signed the writing and the decree. Verse 10. Now, when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went into his house and the windows being opened in his chamber toward Jerusalem. He kneeled upon his knees three times a day and he prayed and gave thanks before his God as he did aforetime. Then these men assembled and found Daniel praying and making supplication before his God. Then they came near and spake before the king concerning the king's decree. Hast thou not signed a decree that every man that asked a petition of any God or man within 30 days, save of thee, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions? The king answered and said, The thing is true according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which altereth not. Then answered they and said before the king that Daniel, which is... Of the children of the captivity of Judah, regardeth not thee, O king, nor the decree that thou hast signed, but maketh a petition three times a day. Sounds like prayer to Daniel wasn't just something that might happen, but it sounds like a habit, doesn't it? You see, for Daniel, he made the connection. Before you sit down, touch somebody next to you and say, make the connection. Make the connection. Make the connection. Once you've said that, you can have a seat. And I'm going to open our service in one more time in a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we need you. I pray this morning that you'd help Christians realize that there's power in connection. There's power in connection when we're connected with one another. There's power in connection when we're connected with your word. And there's power and we're connected with your spirit and i pray this morning you would help us to really understand what it means to have a big hairy audacious prayer life and i pray that great things would happen we love you we thank you for the opportunity to come to worship to be here i thank you for these people i pray that you'd bless them we ask this in jesus wonderful name amen you see this passage here's daniel and i know we jump right into the story here's the thing daniel his nation his country has suffered the judgment of god and jerusalem was captured by a babylonian king by the name of nebuchadnezzar now daniel is about 80 years old so that happened many years ago okay so daniel has really grown up in babylon along with some of his friends they kind of grew up there they're brought up in the culture but yet daniel had a habit of praying towards Jerusalem. We're going to dive into that in just a little bit. But God brought judgment to the nation of Israel because they had turned away from him. And God said, hey, I'm going to, I'm going to bring the, uh, your, your nation back. But first, you're going to suffer judgment, and I'm going to take you away into Babylonian uh, captivity. And so that's what's happened. And in Daniel chapter number 1, we see that take place. Well, after Nebuchadnezzar fell, you have a new king. His name is Darius. The Medes and the Persians got together to take out the Babylonian kingdom, which was the world's superpower at that time. And so Daniel, who is in retirement, is called out of retirement for this new king, because this new king is going to kind of set up his own government, okay? So he's going to set up, and the verse one, number one, it says he set over the kingdom and 120 princes. So he's going to set over his entire kingdom. The Babylonian kingdom was the world's superpower at that time, okay? They ruled all the known world at that time. Well, the Persian and the Medes, they rose up, they took over, and so they're going to establish a new government, and the new government they established was with 120 princes. Now, over those 120 princes, there were three that were going to be over those, that would report directly to the king, all right? And one of those, the chief of those three, was Daniel. Daniel's called out of retirement. Here's what's amazing, okay? Here is a prisoner of war, now becomes the prime minister of a country. Isn't that just amazing? 
How God can take somebody who, who was in a terrible situation. God says, I'm going to promote you even in the worst of circumstances. I'm going to do something great with you. But you've got to stay connected to me. See, there's a connection. And there's the connection. You need to understand there's a connection between our dedication and our development. There's a connection between our de- uh, de- dedication and our development. You say, what do you mean? Notice if you would, verse number five. Then said these men, we shall not find any occasion against this Daniel, except we find it against him concerning the law of his God. Here's the thing. These people knew Daniel, and the one thing they knew and remembered about him was that Daniel was dedicated to God. I wonder, and don't answer out loud, but what do people think about you when they think about you? What is the first thought that comes to their mind? I mean, do they just think about, oh, that person loves the Beatles. Oh, that person loves the 49ers. Oh, that person is a shopaholic. Oh, that person loves classic cars. Oh, that person is a, just a gadget geek. They just love the newest and latest, greatest gadgets. Or what are they saying? What comes to their mind? Because as soon as they thought about Daniel, they were like, the only way we can find fault with this guy is between him and his God because this guy is a Christian. I mean, it's all over him. I mean, this guy is dedicated. This guy is faithful. This guy, there's just something different about him. What do people say about you? Because I find that oftentimes Christians are really good at blending in nowadays. Like, it's almost like we don't want people to know. We, we want to fly under the radar, and then we kind of want to almost sneak into church, kind of sneak out of church. And we don't really want our employees or our coworkers to really know that we are a Christian. And we just want to kind of blend in and fly under the radar. When people start asking us questions, we just kind of like, oh, I don't know. I don't want to really get into that. I don't like to talk about politics. I don't like to talk about my faith. It's just kind of something I do. And here's Daniel where he did. He said, no, no, I'll, I'll engage you. It, it, it was known. These people said, hey, this guy is dedicated. This guy is excited. This guy is the real deal. And there's a connection between our dedication and our development. Because some of you are saying, hey, how come I'm not growing in my Christian life? Are you dedicated to the work that it takes to develop, to grow, to keep on going? Daniel said, hey, I'm going to develop. I'm going to grow. You see, the things you do daily have more of an impact on you than the things you do weekly, monthly, and yearly. And uh, for some of you, the gym is a weekly thing, or it's a monthly thing, or it's a, hey, every February, I'm there, baby, once a year, a whole month. I don't get the full year. I just tell them I just need a month, and I'm good. You know, I'm just, I'm just here for a month, and really, I want to be here the whole month. Do you have, like, you know, a 20-minute thing where I just kind of show up, you know, and that's, that's it? Well, here, Daniel, he did it daily. Don't you think you'd get pretty good at something if you did it every day? Don't you think it would have an impact on you? You see, it's one thing to just come to church weekly. Right now, all of you have a weekly connection with God. It's a weekly thing. The question I need to ask you is, is it a daily thing? You're here, so there's a weekly connection. I know that. But we just, we just said the things we do daily have more of an impact. So... Is Christianity a daily thing or is it a weekly thing? Because I know it's weekly. We've got 70% of Americans still identify as Christian, so they would identify that, hey, it is a weekly thing for me, and praise God for that. I'm glad there's something and not nothing, but isn't it, aren't we called to do something daily? Aren't we called to follow Jesus? Aren't we called to continually seek him, to pursue him? You see, Daniel didn't just pray when he had a bad day. He prayed every day. But oftentimes, you and I just kind of relegate prayer to the bad days. Oh, man, this is definitely a day I need prayer. I mean, as soon as it goes bad, oh, I get on Facebook. I mean, everybody, y'all pray for me now. I'm having a terrible day. Well, what about when you just, don't you need prayer all the time? It, shouldn't it be just a daily thing? 
You see, here's the, here's the deal. Here's what I found with my life, and maybe yours is sim- similar to this, is we want God to provide for our need even before we have a need. We want God to show up before anything bad happens. God, I, I kind of want, want you to be uh, uh, in preventative maintenance mode, God. Just like prevent every bad thing, all right? Kind of go before me and, and guard me from anything bad, negative that may happen. And that's kind of the God we want to serve. And so we wonder why we're not seeing the de- development and this, this dedication. And it's because we don't spend a lot of time. You know, I wonder... And this may be a little bit off topic. They say that in America, about 50% of marriages don't make it. And I wonder if that has anything to do with the fact that we celebrate marriages once a year on our anniversary day. Oh, it's my anniversary. You got to celebrate marriage. And we wonder why 50% of marriages aren't doing well. But what if we put the priority on a marriage back to where it's something we do daily or weekly and not just yearly? Because when you celebrate something yearly, is it really that special? You say, well, yeah, 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 anniversaries are a big deal. Yeah, one time, but doesn't it mean so much more? I mean, you don't just eat one time a year. You don't just say, you know, you know what, I, I, I'm going to only work one day a year. No, there's things that you're like, no, I need to do this every day. But it's amazing when the big things in our life, like our, our relationship with our spouse, we're like, no, I just don't, I don't know. Here's the thing. The average divorce costs between thirty dollars and $40,000 a day, or thirty $30,000 and $40,000 per couple. So you say, I'm going to end up spending that by the broken relationship. And I know some of you have suffered from that. I'm not here to kick you down. I'm not here to blast you. I'm just saying, hey, have we thought about this where we think maybe if I just spent some money every day, not a lot, maybe just a rose, five bucks, I could save forty, fifty thousand dollars $50,000 down the road. Not only to mention that, I get to keep my house, I get to keep my car, get to keep my kids. I kind of like them, you know, a little bit, some days, most days, you know, they're all right. You know, some days I wish they wouldn't be here, but, you know, for the most part, they're good. I'm, I'm down with kids. It's all good. But here we, we, we don't. We're, we're not daily. It's, it's like a weekly or a, or a monthly thing. But here Daniel, he said, no, it's real with him. He was dedicated. Even the people knew this about Daniel. It was something that was just evident in his life. But here's what's the most amazing thing. Daniel was fervent in his prayers. Notice if you would, verse number 10, the Bible says, Now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went into his house and his windows being opened, his chamber toward Jerusalem, he kneeled upon his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he did a fourth time. Notice that Jerusalem. You see, here's the thing. Daniel is going to prophesy later on in this book. Verses uh, chapter 7 through 11. He's going to prophesy that for 70 years, the children of Israel will be in Babylonian captivity. Daniel's 80 years old. He's never going to get to see his homeland again. He doesn't see it again. But yet he's praying for it. Because he says, hey, I'm looking toward Jerusalem. I'm praying for something. That takes dedication, doesn't it? To pray for something you're never going to see. This is powerful, parents. So you and I need to start praying for our children's spouse that we may never meet or our grandchildren that we may never meet. We need to start praying things that we may never see in our lifetime. We may never see a great revival in our country, but we need to pray for stuff that we may never see. Daniel said, I know I'm not going to see this, but he still prayed for it. You and I, we only want to pray for stuff we know we're going to see. God, just fix my electric bill right now. God, just fix my kid right now. How about, God, I I don't know exactly what you've got for him down the road, but I'm praying for something that I'll never be around. Because a lot of times, I find that my prayers revolve around me, which is selfishness. But when you start throwing prayers that you're saying, I may never see this, God says, I get glory out of that. Because it has nothing to do with you. 
It has everything to do with the glory of God and the work of God. So when we are here trying to get a church off the ground and praying for something, we're praying for a church in this community that generations from now will be affected by, and they may never meet us. They may never know us. But we're doing it for them. That's who we're doing it for. We're praying for people that we don't know yet. When you're out there doing the Occupy All Streets and you're passing out flyers, you don't know who you're touching. You're praying for an impact that we'll have that you may never get to see. You're part of something. And for some of you, that's the most selfless act. That's the most God-honoring, glorifying act. When you start praying for something that you know you're not going to see. You see, Daniel was praying for his homeland that he would never get to see again. Let me ask you a question. Can you pray with intensity, when there is no emergency. Because I find in my own life, it's when the emergency comes, that's when I get intense. That's when I fall to my knees, and that's where the tears come, and that's where the voice gets shaky, and that's where you start doing business and wrestling with God, and you get in the room by yourself. Because why? There's an emergency. My kid is sick. That bill is huge. This is bad stuff is happening. I lost my job. That's when we get intense, isn't it? You see, Daniel, they said, did you catch the word it says, as he did aforetime? Let's go back. Look at it. Look at it. Verse number 10. They said, here's Daniel in verse number 10. He said in the very last word, as he did before, uh, aforetime. Daniel knows the law's been signed. He knows he's going to go to a den of lions, but yet he still does the same thing. With the window wide open, this guy is bold. He's saying, I, I don't care. This is my habit, and I'm staying intense about it. Before the emergency, it was just normal for him. For some of you, you wish you could pray with intensity when there is no emergency or with intensity just like there was an emergency. So you develop the habit of it. Some of you, you're amazing. You can go into the gym in an hour and a half, two hours, have the workout of your life where we would just watch you and get tired. And we were just like, I'm sweating, man. We've got your big old, you know, and a big old double down whatever from in and out and just chomping that thing down. And you're just like, wow, I'm just exhausted looking at you, you know. And uh, no, you're in a food coma, actually. But, uh, you know, there's just these things that you do and people are just amazed by you. But yet to spend five minutes in prayer, you're like, you sweatband on, you know, water bottle, eye black. You're like, whew, get myself psyched up. You got Rocky music playing. And you come out of your prayer closet, and your wife's like, that was three and a half minutes. What? Felt like an hour in there. I was like wrestling with God. I was calling down fire from heaven. And honey, I heard you snoring. What? I wasn't snoring. I wasn't, you know? And it's one of those things when it comes to you and I having that time with God and just that intense time, it's a habit. It's not something that just happens. And so can we pray with intensity when there is no emergency? Secondly, can we pray with consistency when there is no ceremony? When nobody's watching. When you're not called to prayer. The funniest story. We had just started the church. I don't want to pick on people. They, don't, they have no idea I'm going to do this, but they're both here. And it popped in my head. This is always bad. This could go really bad. I could get fired. Who cares? Um, the second Sunday of our church, we had a brand new visitor come. And then Pastor Chris and I, we had started this church. We were excited. And then and all of a sudden, I, I walk out, and he kind of takes the end of the service and everything. And we had visitors there, and it was just a full, and it was exciting. And we, his second Sunday, nobody really knew anybody. We didn't know what we were doing, so, kind of like now. But we just kind of fake it till we make it. And all of a sudden, uh, Pastor Chris just says, Raul, pray. And Raul just, like, stares, like, like what? It's my second week here. I don't know you. I don't know any of these people. 
but he still, he still prayed. He still prayed. I got a, I got the most funniest text later on, but it was just hilarious that what right now, like, uh, you know, it was one of those moments. And so from there we axed public prayer, you know, it's just too uncomfortable. We just kind of axed it from that point on. But I mean, sometimes we say, well, yeah, I could pray in that situation. But Daniel was the type that he said, no, no, no. Even on my own time, I make time to pray. There's something real with him. It was the fact that, hey, I don't need a ceremony. I don't need a crowd. I don't need anybody patting me on my back. I don't need one of these 21-day journals of prayer. And I know those are good. And if that helps you get it, you know, whatever helps you pray, that's great. But for Daniel, he said, look, this is something that I'm consistent with. And the dedication has a connection to his development. And some of you are wondering why you're missing the breakdown of the connection with your development in your Christian life. It's because you lack the dedication. It's missing. You ever seen an athlete with no dedication? You haven't. Unless you're watching T-ball, unless you're watching your little kid's soccer games. But on professional TV, you don't see it. Why? They don't make it. They all have dedication. Even the guy on the bench has to have some dedication. Even to stay on that bench, they don't keep you. But for whatever reason in the Christian ranks, man, some of us, it's like, well, I made it to church this year. What do you want? Like a medal? Like, really? It's not so much that you, that, that you made it to church finally. It's the fact that, what does it say about your relationship to God? Is it real? Is it, is it something that's that important? Or, or maybe not. You see, it, it's one of those things where we're coming back to this relationship, this connection. And you're wondering, why am I not connecting with God? You see, for Daniel, this was not just a ritual. This was a routine for him. This wasn't just something that he came and was a part of. This was real for him. You see, sadly, we live in a society that cares more about 15 minutes of fame than a lifetime of faithfulness. We want that 15 minutes. Can my post just go viral? Just for 15 minutes of fame. Instead of a lifetime of faithfulness. Instead of saying, no, 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 I'm here for the long haul. I'm here to dig in. I'm here to see something great happen. I want you to understand intensity is a byproduct of consistency. Some of you are saying, hey, I want the consistency, but it starts from the intensity. That's where it starts and they come together. You see, the more you do something, the better you are at it. But sadly, we overestimate what we can accomplish in a year, and we underestimate what we can accomplish in 10 years. For some of you, you're, you're praying for prayers, and you're saying, yeah, I prayed for it for a week, and it still didn't happen. Daniel's going to pray all of his life for a city that he's never going to see. That's consistency. So we're talking about a big, hairy, audacious prayer. And some of you are like, hey, this series has been going on for four weeks. I've been praying for this thing for four weeks. Daniel prayed for 70 years, and he knew he wasn't going to see it. Can you stay focused on something like that? Can you say, this is what I'm asking God for. This is what God, I, it's me and you, and I'm begging you for this, and I don't care how long it takes, I'm just here. I'm just here. A parent knows this when it comes to their children. They're saying, I'm not giving up on this one. I don't care how far gone they are, I'm not giving up. I'm going to keep wrestling. I'm going to keep fighting. I'm going to keep going. There's some tenaciousness about you. And I feel like we've lost that in our prayer time. We've lost that. God, I'm wrestling with you with this. God, I believe this is what you've called me to. God, I believe this is what you've given me. And I'm not going to get up. It's kind of like Jacob when he wrestled with God. And he said, God, I'm not going to let you go until you bless me. And for some of you, you get up from your knees way too fast. You get up from your prayer time way too fast. It seems like in any interruption, and you're up and you're out of that time with God. Instead, you've got to stay in that fight and you've got to wrestle. Here's the thing. Praying hard is hard. There's 
No easy way around it. Prayer is hard. But haven't you find, found out that the things that are the hardest are most fulfilling? There's, there's something crazy. I go to a crazy gym. If you ever come and want to work out with me, that's fine. But we're crazy over there. And it's, it's kind of neat because there's this adrenaline rush when somebody puts up this new weight. It's called a personal record, a PR. And when somebody gets that, they're just like, there's this elation. They're excited. It was a new record for them. They push themselves further. They push themselves harder. And they know their body's going to be sore. They know their hands are going to be callous. But they stay at it until they get that personal record. But when it comes to prayer, you're like, I allotted my 15 minutes a day. That's, that's it. No, no, no. Very type A, very scheduled. You don't leave any other room to say, you know what? Where's my personal record? Could I spend all night with God? We can when there's an emergency. We can when, when there's something big happening. But when you're saying, God, there's something that I, I believe you put on my heart, and I'm going to pray for it. I'm going to pray big time. We give out some prayer magnets, and maybe if we still have some, we'll give them out on the way out. Just things that we're asking God for for over this church. Things that we believe that God has called us to. It's not going to happen without prayer. Nothing great ever happens without prayer. We've got to get back to prayer and the dedication, the intensity, and when it's not just an emergency. You see, Daniel understood that connection, and he was willing to make that connection. Notice, secondly, there's a connection between direction and dreams. You say, what do you mean? Notice if you would, verse number 10, one more time. It says, now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went into his house and the windows being opened into his chamber toward Jerusalem, he kneeled upon his knees three times a day. Why? And this, just bo- and this didn't bother me. I was just thinking about it because we, we look at the scripture and we just kind of read it over. We don't really engage. And I want to help you engage. Why was it such a big deal that he kneeled down in front of an open window? Like, was he worried that his prayer wouldn't make it through the window? Was that, was that what it is? And then why was he facing Jerusalem? I mean, this is all kind of just curious. And then I began to think about it. It helped him stay focused. You ever heard this term? Eyes on the prize. Daniel had eyes on the prize. He said, I'm praying for a city, so I'm going to look at it. I'm going to face it. Eyes on the prize. I know what God has given me. I know what God has called me to. Eyes on the prize. Looking towards it. We understand it in football, hockey, soccer, golf, bowling. We understand it in everything, but we don't understand it in our faith. We don't get our direction in the same direction as our dream. We don't set our focus on our faith. We don't set our direction in our dreams. And God is saying, hey, Daniel said, I'm going to get lined up. My direction is going to be lined up with my dream. For some of you, God is going to fire a dream, a vision in your heart, and you're not even facing it. You're saying, God has called me to do this. Are you serving? Are you doing anything? Are you just sitting on your blessed behind doing jack squat? Or are you saying, no, this is what God's put in my heart. This is what I'm doing. I'm engaging with it. I'm facing it. I'm staying focused on it. Some of you, you understand this. When you were in high school, you would put quotes on mirrors to get something done. You would, you would put it in your car just to remind you, to keep you focused on something. Some of you, you've got that position at your job, and you walk by that office, and you kind of look at that office and say, one day, one day, I'm going to be there. And it's not an ego pride thing. You're just trying to keep yourself focused. You're just trying to keep the eyes on the prize. And for Daniel, he said, windows open. I know I may never see it, but if I'm going to be diligent in my prayer, if I'm going to be consistent in my prayer, i got to be looking at the direction of my dreams. And for some of you, that's why your prayer life sucks. Because you have nothing that you're facing. No focus. Your mind goes all over the place. You have ADD prayer life. 
You're just like, God, you're so good and you're so sweet, sweet. We're out of sugar. My wife asked me to get sugar. Oh, no. Hopefully I can get sugar before she comes back home. Home. She wants gas in the car. Oh, no. Gas. Do I have money in my wallet? Do I have time before she gets home? Oh, home. She wanted me to clean the house before she got home. And that's your prayer life. One thing leads to another, and then you get up 10, 15 minutes later, and you're like, what did I just pray about? I prayed about the grocery list. I told that to the Lord, but I didn't pray about anything specific because you're not facing the direction of your dream. There's got to be that focus. And for so many Christians, there's this disconnect between any of their dreams because they are not facing it, the direction of their dream. You're so disconnected. I look at college students and I ask them, what do you want to do? What are you going to accomplish? I don't know. I'm going to Starbucks, and I'm going to this community college, and I'm like, Okay, so no plans, nothing, just face it. You're doing jack squat about it and you have no clue. Like you have no direction. Let's start here, okay? Do you want to have a house one day? Okay, yes, you want that. Do you want to be married one day? Okay, good, take a shower, buy some deodorant. Cologne works really good, all right. Now, uh, uh, you're very antisocial. Give me your PS4, let's throw this away. You're 28 now, that's only for one or two hours a day, not... 14 hours a day. Let's, there's simple things, all right? Let's work on this. We need to stay in the direction of our dreams. But Christians, we're just all over the place. And we're not in the direction of our dreams. And Daniel said, oh, windows open. He didn't care when he saw, because he was focused on the direction of his dream. Christian, it's a powerful, powerful connection. You see, a dream without direction is just a daydream. A dream without direction is a daydream. It's not going to happen. You need direction. And Daniel said, I, I got my direction. I may never see it, but I'm focused on it. Proverbs 29, 18, the wisest man who ever lived said this. He said, where there is no vision, the people perish. Where there is no vision, where there's no eyes on the prize, they perish. We need direction. A church, a family, a man of God, a woman of God, anybody needs direction in their life. If you have no direction, nothing will get accomplished. We need direction. We need leadership. We need somebody in your household to say, hey, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. As for me, I will do right at my job. Get some direction in your life. Ask God to show you the direction that he's calling you to. You see, Daniel knew the promise that he was praying around. He knew exactly. There's an old joke of an elderly couple, and I'm not picking on anybody, but they were driving, and the, the husband said to his wife and said, Honey, I got a, I got a good news, and I got bad news. And, and he said, oh, Let me start with the bad news. The bad news is we're lost. The good news is we're making great time. No direction. We need direction. Not only that, and thank you for the courtesy laugh. I'll pay you later. That was very sweet. I work on this stuff all week, if you were curious. So... Uh, But not only that, most of us don't get what we want because we don't know what we want. Some of you are like, I haven't had an answer to prayer in the longest time. Because you don't know what you're praying for. You you don't know. You ever been behind that person in the drive-thru? They think that they're going to sit there and then kind of make up their mind. Like it's going to appear to them. And I'm like, no, no, no. The drive-thru is for those people who know what they want. It's not for the people who have no clue and who are asking for things that aren't on the menu. Do you guys sell tater tots? No, we don't. I'd really like some chicken and waffles. Please tell me you got chicken and waffles. It's McDonald's. We don't do chicken and waffles. Steak. Do you guys have steak? Mm, that would be really good. No, it's McDonald's. We don't even serve real meat here, buddy, okay? It's like, come on. 
Man, sorry, McDonald's employees, I apologize. But we understand that, 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 that there's those people that you're just like, no, they need to know what they want. I follow a couple things in life, and I've always been curious about the Walt Disney Corporation because it's just it's an amazing company, amazing corporation, just how it started from nothing. The story is just incredible. Walt Disney, before he passed away, had purchased some land in Florida, Orlando, to build Walt Disney World Epcot Center. Unfortunately, many of you know, he died before that was ever completed. And so on the grand opening, a good friend of Walt's was talking to Walt's brother, Roy Disney. His name was Art Art Linkletter, and he used to do the show that children say the darndest things, some of you may remember. And uh, so here's Art Linkletter, and he's talking to Roy, and they're looking at Walt Disney World and the Epcot Center. And Art looks at Roy and says... Don't you wish Walt could have seen this? Walt sim- Roy simply replied, Walt did see it. That's why it's here. The direction of the dream. For some of you, you're saying, I'm not accomplishing anything in life. It's your direction. There's none. Where there is no vision, the people perish. Where a church has no vision, it will perish. It will fail. All throughout Scripture. We're supposed to have a vision where nothing great will ever accomplish, not just for a church, but for your family. What's the vision for your children? What's the vision for your home? What's the vision for your job? What's the vision? My brother called me the other day. We talked for a good hour and a half, and he had some things going on. And he, he was asking me about how did you get to the point of planting the church? And I said, Daniel, there's a lot of guys who want to plant churches, and I'm all excited about it. I really am. I believe the church is the hope of America, hope of the world. I believe very strongly, and I give my life to it. And I said, Daniel, a lot of guys want to do it, and I'm excited that they want to. But when I ask them why, they come up with, the world is dying and going to hell. we got to reach them. And I say, yeah, that's good. Well, I just believe that we're not effective at reaching this people group. Okay. I'm just irritated that church is just done poorly. The music's bad. The preaching's bad. And we just got to do it differently. Okay. I just feel this, this, this sense of, I just got to do something. Okay. And I told Daniel, I said, I talk to guys all the time. People call our church. Man, I get emails. This week, I got three emails, several phone calls. People just saying, hey, how do I do this? What about this? But I told my brother, I said, Daniel, the thing that scares me is, Never once in my experience, which is limited, has anybody said, I got this vision from God of this church. And I just can't let it go. It's just so real with me. I just see it. And I may not be the person for it. I may not have the ability. But I just got to go after it because of the vision. Everybody's showing me the need, but they're not telling me the vision. There's got to be a vision. Because where there is no vision, people perish. Do you think Daniel could have stayed at it for 70 years knowing he was never going to see it without vision? No. Do you think you're going to stay at the Christian life with intensity and dedication without vision? No. Some of you know there's some people that used to be here that aren't here. We love them. We miss them. We don't think bad of them, not at all. But in my heart, I think, did I not do a good enough job giving them a vision for what could be?
and what should be. Because where there is no vision, the people perish. Because there's a connection between our direction and our dreams. We're running out of time. Last point. The last connection we need to make. There's a connection between decisions and our design. You say, what do you mean? You see, Daniel here, we pick it up in the story right in the middle, and it's hard to see. How did Daniel, how was he able to make this monumental decision where he was able to decide that, hey, I'm going to do what's right even when it hurts me? Because the Bible even said in verse number three, then this Daniel was preferred above the presidents and princes because an excellent spirit was in him. There was just something different about Daniel. His spirit was just a dead giveaway. There was something excellent and awesome about him. But I was thinking, where did that start? And I had to go back to the first chapter of Daniel. And in Daniel chapter number one, verse number eight, there's a familiar scripture. Some of you have memorized it. Some of you know it. And if you don't, let me read it for you because it's powerful. Daniel's just a young teenage boy. He's just been taken from his homeland. No parents, no pastor, no podcast, no anything to keep him grounded. And notice what he does at verse number eight. The Bible says, but Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with a portion of the king's meat, nor with the wine which he drank, nor therefore he requested the prince of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. You need to understand something. He was Jewish. They had some Jewish dietary laws. And he said, even though I'm in a strange country where those laws don't apply, I'm still going to hold to how I was brought up. And he stuck to it as a teenager. Peer pressure is powerful today. We give teens a hard time about it, but I think it's just as real for all the adults in this room. Just as real for every mother in this room. As soon as you have a new baby, which is exciting, baby Carter's here. If you haven't seen him, he's cute. He was just born a little over a week ago to Becky and Chris. We're excited for them. But as soon as you have a new baby, you take that baby anywhere. Everybody wants to give you advice. Everybody wants to tell you what you should feed them, what you shouldn't feed them. Oh, you're doing being too rough. You need to hold them like this and make sure they sleep with you or don't let them sleep with you. That's how they can be asphyxiated. And No, don't do this. And make sure you, you let them cry or, oh, no, don't let them cry. Or there's baby wise book. And everybody wants to give you all kinds of advice. Everyone wants to tell you peer pressure. But here, Daniel, he purposed in his heart. He made a decision. And I love the fact that he made this decision. Because it forever changed the course of his life. Daniel was able to stand in a moment where it was difficult and where it was hard. Because he made a decision. You see, for some of you, you're only one defining decision away from a totally different life. You're just one defining decision away from a totally different life. Be it physical, be it emotional, be it spiritual. It takes one decision. One decision to say, yes, I'm just going to go to the gym today. And yes, I'm going to go tomorrow. Yes, I'm going to eat right Yes, I'm just going to read my Bible. Yes, I am just going to pray. That can forever change your life. And Daniel, when he was young, made that decision. You see, the best time to plant a tree was yesterday. The second best time to plant a tree is today. And for some of you, you're saying, I missed yesterday. That's okay. Today's the second best time. Start today. What is God putting on your heart? What is God speaking to you? As we're reading these passages, some of you, you're sitting there, and God is bringing things to your mind, and God is burning something on your heart that is just so real with you, and God is speaking something over your life because you need to make a defining decision that will totally change your life. And Daniel, he made that decision. Even though in chapter number 6, he knew, I'm going to the den of lions. Even though he knew this is not going to end well. 
But what's amazing, the things that seem like they'll be the, the, the worst thing for you or the last thing you'd ever want to happen turn out to be the best thing that happened. You see, how do we know this turned out to be the best thing? Because Daniel understood outcome is God's responsibility. Obedience is mine. Outcome is God's responsibility. Obedience is mine. He was obedient. And so God did something amazing. In this passage, notice, he gets thrown in the den of lions. But here's what God does because of that den of lions. Verse number 16, then the king commanded, and they brought Daniel and cast him into the den of lions. Now the king spake and said unto Daniel, thy God whom thou servest continually, he will deliver thee. Okay? He seems pretty confident, but notice, verse number 18, then the king went to his palace and passed the night fasting. Neither were there instruments of music brought before him, and his sleep went from him. Basically, this guy can't sleep. He's saying, yeah, 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 God's going to save you, but he's just up all night, worried about it, but he's seeking God. And then in verse number 19, then the king arose very early in the morning and went in haste to the den of lions. And when he came to the den, he cried with a lamentable voice unto Daniel. And the king spake and said to Daniel, O Daniel, servant of the living God, is thy God whom thou servest continually able to deliver thee from the lions? Then said Daniel to the king, O king, live forever. And then at that moment, something amazing happens. Very end of the chapter, verse number 25. Then the king Darius wrote unto all the people, nations, languages that dwell in the earth, peace be multiplied unto you. I make a decree that in every dominion of my kingdom, men tremble and fear before the God of Daniel, for he is the living God, the steadfast forever, and his kingdom, that which shall not be destroyed, his dominion shall be even unto the end. He delivered and rescueth, and he worketh signs and wonders in heaven and earth, who hath delivered Daniel from the power of the lions. So this Daniel prospered in the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus the Persian. So God took the worst thing in Daniel's life and turned it into the best thing. He brought not only a king back to God, but he brought an entire nation back to God. So God is going to take that thing that you think is the worst thing and God's saying, I'm going to do something awesome with this. I'm going to turn this thing around. So when you say, God, I'm going to make a defining decision, God says, I'll use that. And then lastly, the greatest step you take in spiritual maturity is when you realize that God is not part of your life, but he is your life, not just a part. He is not just a little portion. He is your life. Let's pray.